You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Peace, everyone. Welcome to the Riverwise Podcast. I'm Eric Campbell, managing editor of Riverwise Magazine. We've been off for a couple of weeks, but uh, we're back. I'm going solo today, October 17th. Amas wasn't able to join us, but I feel we're in good hands. I'm gonna, we have a wonderful guest with us today, and we're going to uh, direct some questions about a wonderful project that's come to our attention that we would love to uplift. During this time, I feel like this this project that's come to our attention is more important than ever as we go through these crises. Um, we hope that you're healthy and that your family's healthy. I think the conversation today, it ties right into our search for uh, health and healing during these times and our search for wisdom. We're joined by Ruhi Marshall, author of the new book entitled A Generation Found, Precious Pearls of Wisdom. It's a wonderful series of interviews with elders from around the region who have uh, shared their uh, experiences and shared their thoughts with us that we, we, we hope to be able to share with people that we know, younger folks and older folks alike. Ms. Marshall is due to uh, participate in a book signing tomorrow at the Charles Wright Museum of African American History. So we'll talk about the book. We'll talk about that. Um, I want to thank uh, everyone who's helped put this podcast together, including Kari Frazier, Detroit is Different including the Detroit Journalism Engagement Fund, who, who are providing the, the funds for us to be able to uh, make this project happen. And uh, we're very grateful to them and everyone who uh, has, has, has listened in. I want to read, I want to start actually by reading, if I can, as, a, as part of my introduction to Ms. Marshall, I want to read just a couple, a short passage from the back of the book. There's, there's some wonderful writing in this book, and then we'll get into what the book is about. The passage starts as, as, as as such, the necessity to preserve the integrity of our elders, ancestors, and culture to, to help establish a more unified existence for our communities and the world is our birthright. Our unique purpose is then better defined. The ability to recognize beauty and truth in its most genuine expression is one of the most important treasures in life. The teachings of our elders has been our lifeline. They are the keepers of the truth. Through their honest actions and deeds, we are adorned from their sincere, undeniable labor of love. Ms. Marshall, Ms. Ruby Marshall, thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Eric, for uh, having me. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. It's an honor to have you and it's an honor to uplift this incredible volume. I've got tons of questions, but I want to start by just asking I want to actually touch on your background. You, you, you allude to your background in the, in, in the introduction. And as I mentioned, this is a series of interviews with ancestors and elders. And I want to ask you later about how you curated this incredible collection. But I, I first want to start with uh, just asking you about your background. You grew up in Mississippi. And I assume that you had a very special relationship with your elders at the time to have the sensibility and have the sensitivity to be able to put this volume together. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, you're coming up from Mississippi and how you got to Detroit? Oh, okay. 
Well, uh, I have an amazing connection to Natchez, Mississippi. That's mm -hmm. is where I was born and raised. I had an incredible close relationship with my grandfather and my the elders in my community. And that is why I'm here today, is to offer just some of what I received, the gifts, some of the gifts that I received from them, as well as ancestors throughout the region. I'm very thankful to uh, have had the opportunity to grow up in, in Mississippi because it was a very, um, a place of love, a place of uh, discipline, joy, a place of a sense of community. I, I always call it the village. So I received uh, just incredible, incredible support from the elders, uh, the, from their discipline, from their guidance. And uh, that's kind of what triggered my triggered me to be able to um, to listen, to listen, and to 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 follow them, to to value their words. Because as I became older, I began to to need those. <laughs> I needed the wisdom. Mm -hmm. I needed the guidance. And when I found myself at different times in life, as we all do broken at different times. I always return to the source, to the roots in mm. order to gain my strength. My roots, you know, as we know, we are, <laughs> I'm from Natchez by way of Africa, but my, the roots that I continue to connect with was in Natchez, Mississippi. Yes. From um, the elders in my family and also in the community. So it was uh, the support of the neighbors Okay, it was the support of other elders who felt like they took the position of being your parent as well. So <laughs> that that had a lot to do with um, instilling the level of respect for elders and just their contribution. Uh, we grew up in Natchez, Mississippi, and during the 50s, I was born in the 50s, and during the 60s and the 70s, it wasn't mm -hmm. the easiest place to live, to be as a Black person. And not really um, having the 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 knowledge of just the power of who you can be from the system, from you know the miseducation that we received. So we were able to to see our leading figures as people in the community. Okay, just the principals and the churches and just in the neighborhoods. So that's who we gained our strength from. Even though we were not taught African-American history or Black history, we actually lived it. We saw it. We were a part of it based on the examples that they set because their yeah. words matched their lives. So from that, I gained my strength and courage. I, you know, in in your description of your upbringing, which which is lovely, by the way, um, I the sense of community, you know, that perhaps was present, you know, during those uh, times of oppression and uh, extreme racism in the South. A lot of people came up under the the your writing, your introduction really brings out that sense of community that folks had throughout these times, and how that that sense of community was even more important uh, under that level of, of oppression. And it's something that you know. You know, I, I was born in the '60s. I was born on the East Coast. Moved to Detroit when I was quite young. But I mean, I think I, I feel like that's that really that, that really strong sense of community is something that you know maybe uh, that me and a lot of you know my, a lot of my people you know 
had, but not to that extent. And it really comes out in this introduction. The, the writing is absolutely lovely. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's real. It's what really happened. Mm -hmm. It's who we are. Mm -hmm. So part of yeah. your calling became then to, but actually, let me go back and I, I, I'm, I'm just interested. I'm curious to hear how your family or how you came to uh, the city of Detroit from Mississippi. Okay. So my sister lived in Detroit. She graduated from University of Detroit and I came to visit her during the summers, a couple of summers. And then eventually I moved to Detroit to live with her. So that's how mm -hmm. I came to Detroit. I was in Detroit first. I lived there. I lived in Detroit. And then I later on moved to Ann Arbor and then moved back to Detroit. So I'm a Detroit Ann Arbor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Detroit, The Detroit Ann Arbor <laughs> so corridor is, is, is real. It's, it's serious. A lot of people making that commute. Yeah. I'm eternally grateful for everything that I have received and that my family have received as far as uh, helping to instill and helping to maintain the traditions and culture that Detroit mm -hmm. is so rich mm -hmm. in. So part of, part of preserving that culture, part of your calling was to put together this incredible uh, collection of interviews with our elders. I want to hear more about how you curated, how you chose the folks that are, in, uh, that are presented, that are featured in the magazine. I see there's quite a few musicians and a few performers. But can you start by, when we get into the book, can you, I'm just curious about how, how you curated the, the folks that are featured in the magazine, how you, how you chose the people that are presented. There's about, how many, there's about maybe 50? There are 40 elders in the book. Okay, There are okay. 40 elders in the book. And how did you come to them? How did, how did they come to you? Oh, my God. That was such an incredible, <laughs> it, had, it is an incredible journey. Because it is not something that I said, um, that I chose, like, intellectually. I didn't say, okay, I, I'm going to go and I'm going to interview 40 elders for this book, A Generation Found, Precious Pearls of Wisdom. It was a place that I was occupying at the time, a place of, of, of a deep need a deep need within myself, I was, I was missing. Okay. I was, I was feeling the need. Okay. To hear my grandfather, my grandmother, my elders, just, um, echoes in my, in my, in my head. I just, at, during the time that we're living in, it's very challenging on so many different levels. So I was always able to be able to go to my roots, to be able to gain the strength that I needed in order to face whatever I had to face up until this point. And then things began to be so different, everything that we're faced with now. And so that left a huge void inside of me because a lot of our elders are making their transition. So um, I looked around and that's what was happening. And I was like, oh my goodness, I needed it right then. So moving forward, I just took a drive. <laughs> and as I was driving, Along, I was visiting a friend. I think she, yeah, she lives in Inkster, Michigan. And I was out as I was driving along. I looked to my right. I was in the neighborhood, their neighborhood. I looked to the right, and there was this lady, this beautiful, gorgeous, elderly lady in front of her white house with lavender shutters and a pink lavender smock. And I pulled over and I say, "Ma'am," just mm -hmm. like I would mm -hmm. if I was in Mississippi. <laughs> okay, all right. I made that connection. And I say, ma'am, um, do you think that I could talk to you for a little bit? There's something that I feel that I'm supposed to learn from you today, something <laughs> I really need inside. So then she said, she said, yeah, honey. Mm -hmm. She said, come on, mm -hmm. we can talk about it. <laughs> so uh, we be, and that and she was standing in front of her house, cutting her, you know, cutting her grass at 93 years old. 
And so that's where my journey kind of began. It started. Yeah. So, so the concept, the concept was floating around your head previous, prior to that conversation, or was that kind of the moment when you were like, well, this, we need to, we need to uh, preserve, we need to document some of these folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, 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 the way I was feeling inside is something that I felt we all needed as a world, as a community, um, for all generations now mm-hmm. and in the future. So it was very, I, I, sent a, I felt a strong sense of responsibility at that moment to preserve our legacy, as is and was preserved by their ancestors and has been like the guiding force through the stages of life. Mm-hmm where we has where so much has been lost from our voyage from coming from uh, Africa to this country yeah. and in society from the presentation you can sense that that observance of the responsibility of the importance of these stories just from the presentation of the book it's it's I, I should mention it's full color it's glossy you know being you know being involved in the you know the magazine project we're involved I'm so impressed with the presentation it's it's glossy pages beautiful photographs um, it's laid out wonderfully did that have a did that play a part as far as, you know, you're honoring these folks? I mean, it looks like, you know, a lot of time was spent just on the, you know, the layout and, you know, how, how this book was going to be put together. Um, tell me about that. Well, you know, I actually, I, I just had a, an image in my mind, a vision of how I wanted, how I wanted it to look, how I wanted to represent um, the elders and how I wanted when people look at it, I wanted them to feel who they are. Each and every one of them, the experience was just captivating, mesmerizing, mm-hmm. spiritual. Um, it was, um, and I wanted to make sure that the book is, the interviews are with people who are, with the elders who are sung and unsung. I wanted it to cover just different facets of life, of their lives, okay? No matter what their background was, no matter who they are. I wanted uh, people to connect to that and to know that these people are still here. Most of them are still here and that um, it's there for us. It's there mm-hmm. for us. So it started with a chance meeting with Ionia Woods, age 93. Yes. How did you come across, going back to my previous question, how, do, how, do we, how did you come across, how did the other folks come to you, the other 39 subjects in the book? Okay, well, let's go back. Okay, I can choose, say, Dr. Melissa Freeman. Mm-hmm. Doctor, I was well into doing a few interviews, and I was sitting down. And I was watching CNN, and I saw Dr. Melissa Freeman, who's a practicing physician. She's maybe ninety-four now, ninety-five now, because it was mm. two years ago when I connected her. And she was on CNN, and they were interviewing her. And she had an amazing career in New York City, and she worked at a hospital for fifty years, and then she started her own practice, and she. Uh, works with the opioid crisis in New York today. I just talked to her last week. So I looked at it, uh, at it and I said, oh, she needs to be in my book. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I called the office and I had a conversation with her niece, Melissa, and it was made, it, it happened. And then there were friends of mine. I have a friend, um, Nubia Kai. She lives in D.C. and she knew uh, Peter Bailey. Okay, mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. Peter Bailey. She introduced me to him over the phone, and I talked to him. And he was on his way out of town. Actually, he was coming to Detroit, 
And he said, well, if you can make it here by tomorrow morning, I think that was, I talked to him the day before that morning. He said, if you can make it here before 12 o'clock, then we can do the interview. I was on my way. Mm-hmm. Peter, yeah. Peter Bailey was the one who, uh, he was one of the ones I looked at. One of the interviews I read uh, throughout the book, he was the one who was who had a relationship with, um, a professional relationship with Malcolm X, as a matter of fact. Oh, I'm yes. Sure. Malcolm X, he loved a love relationship, love, respect relationship. Yeah, yeah. So there was no, ge- I'm realizing now there was no real, there's no geographical limitation. The subjects no. of the book are from all over the, all over the country, as a matter of fact. Yeah, which is kind of where I was led. So your vision led to the actual, uh, you kept, you kept with your vision as far as the, the book and the quality of the book itself. And even the, you know, even I, I hate to go on about this, but even the paperweight is, 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 you know, very, very high quality. And, um, yeah, it's just an incredible, incredible volume. Um, can you tell? Once you once you compiled the number of interviews you wanted to, uh, you felt were were uh, enough for for the book. Tell me about the process going forward from there, as far as uh, as far as how to get it published. At that point, did you have a relationship with a publisher or self publish? Self publish. I have a relationship with a very amazing company here at Ypsilanti Standard mm-hmm. Printing. And I met with them maybe a hundred times. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, it was very important to me that um, the paper and, you know, the pages that people, it felt mm-hmm, warm, mm-hmm. okay? The weight of the paper flowed, that it flowed. And I had, they were, in, they were, I mean, I had a good, I have a great relationship with them and it just worked out. It worked out because I wanted, I didn't want to put, I know people in such a rush these days. Okay, everything has been kind of slowed down right now. But when I started this process, being in this instant society, I wanted to offer people something that they could, that was a light reading, but reading that could sustain us, reading that help us survive and be able to glimpse at the pearls of wisdom and gain some strength and be able to continue. Mm-hmm. And the color in the book, I wanted to... Um, to make sure that it was very colorful because everyone that I interviewed was very mm. colorful. Okay? Mm-hmm. And in the black and white images, I just wanted to see their true essence. Then I began to uh, work with different people, okay, and who have supported it, who have supported me in my, in my dream. And I was working at the hospital. So I worked on this book over the last two years while I was working and I retired in October of 2019, and then I just went forward to complete mm-hmm. it because, which is very important, uh, there's the elder in the book, 108 mm. years old, Mr. Jesse Winston, and I had promised him that he would see himself in the book. So the book was not complete, and I asked him to please, please, could they print a proof of the book? So I took the proof, and I went down to see him this March, in the beginning of March right before the pandemic, so that he could see in Mississippi, in Natchez, Mississippi, he's an elder in the book who owned his own barbershop for 70 years in Natchez, Mississippi, which is not easy Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that he saw himself in the book. So I went there, he saw himself, and he looked at it, and he reflected, and he said, I like that. (laughs) With a smile like like sunshine. So that part made me feel really good. And also the fact that some of the elders, you know, they're older. Mm-hmm. So 
I had lost, they had a couple of them had made their transition. So then I became really pressed with it because I had made a commitment to them and I wanted them to see themselves and their worth. Now, the work that you did on this, as I'm, as I'm looking further, you, you provide an ob- observational comment from yourself with each interview. And they're not, they're not light observational comments. They, they, they're, they're fairly deep and fairly lengthy. Um, how, let, let me ask how long this book took you to put together in total. There's an incredible amount of writing in here. So I did, um, I think I did 32 interviews in 2018. Okay. And I did eight interviews in 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I didn't do observational comments on each and on each and every one of them. On a lot of them I did, but not each and every one. But it was just. Um, that was because a lot of some of the elders who were not, you know, professionals in the sense of doctors mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. journalists or, you know, what society sees as that, okay, or, or, or who really have accomplished those things. They didn't really have like a um, particular bio, bio. So I just made sure that I wanted people to see them in their own light, in their own essence. Mm-hmm. And that's where that came from. That's special. Is this your first foray into the world of, of publishing or writing? Yes, it, it is. is. It is. I, I used to write, you know, throughout the years. I have jotted down a few poems mm-hmm. here and there, but this is my first publication. And I had started another project. That book is A Thousand Doors to Morocco. But when I came across this, I just, it became, it uh, just went straight to my heart. Yeah. 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 It all comes out through the book, definitely. I think also the spirit of the book and the timeliness of it um, is, is amazing. You know, we just we just did a um, we just released a uh, issue of Riverwise, which was partly to uplift some of the protests and resistance work that's being done in Detroit um, around mm-hmm. racist police brutality, and it was also mm-hmm. partly a message from. Um, the elders in the activist circle to the young folks who've been, you know, in the streets protesting on a daily basis almost. That intergenerational co- uh, conversation, you know, throughout this crisis of, you know, anti-black brutality, anti- anti-black police brutality is, 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 is vital. And then this piece comes out at, at the exact moment when we, you know, we need this conversation to continue. We need to broaden this conversation and we need to get grounded in a lot of ways through the words of, of our elders. So we thank you so much. Well, you know, Eric, um, I, you know, we have been on the battlefield for hundreds mm-hmm. of years, fighting for our lives, our rights, and justice today, to, up to today, yeah. to today. And each, I feel each of us have a responsibility, the young and the old, and people have been showing up in um, amazing ways. So this book, A uh, Generation Found, you know, Precious Pearls of Wisdom, is a book of celebrating, it's celebrating the the elders and what they have contributed and what stands today so that we can all gain strength and guidance in order to survive this. So if, Ruhi, um, I want to talk about also, and I I'm, I'm, I really hope we get, <laughs> we get, we're able to publish this podcast before tomorrow, but if people hear it uh, after, I think we should still talk about the book signing because that's important that people know that, you know, this, this book is receiving some shine from folks in the community, specifically, specifically the Charles Wright uh, Museum of African American History. Can you tell us about the book signing tomorrow? Tomorrow being Sunday the 18th. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> so the book signing is tomorrow, Sunday, October the 18th, and it will be held at the Charles Wright Museum, the Latimer Outdoor Cafe. So mm-hmm. it's scheduled to be outside. Uh, we're taking all the precautions for social distancing. We will have fever checks. We will have all the PPE there in case someone needs it. And we will be supporting whatever the protocols are so that we can all remain safe and conscious and also um, gain, just be able to breathe a little bit in the midst of this turmoil that we're faced with. And so that's the goal. That's the goal. So Mm -hmm. it is from one o'clock to four o'clock. Anyone listening, please go out and support. Uh, If you hear this before the book signing, please go out and check it out. Um, This book is very important. It's, It's beautiful. If you don't hear this by the time the book signing occurs, where else can we where else can we find copies? Uh, you can order directly from the website Ruhi Marshall R O O H E E Marshall M A R S H A L L dot com. I would just like to say one more thing, Eric. I just want to thank I just want to thank all the elders who participated in this project, who gave it the spirit, who um, invited me into their sacred space, who I have learned a lifetime, a lifetime of knowledge and wisdom, and I just hope that that I'm de- that I'm deserving of it. <laughs> we definitely appreciate the time and energy you put into this book. It, like I said, it's 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 amazing. Um, thank you for sharing a copy with us, and uh, we encourage uh, anyone listening to go seek this seek this book out. It's very important, and we hope you have a great time at the book signing tomorrow. I'm going to try to come out myself and and pay respects and. You know, they're still doing incredible programming at the museum. We need to support the museum, of course, as well. Yeah, oh. thank you for joining us. Go ahead. Did you want to say yes. anything before we go? Yes, yes. the museum has, has been incredible. Uh, they have offered um, support for the book, and they seem to be very inspired by the book, and I'm just thankful for that. Maybe we'll see the gift shop as well. I was, I was actually over there today. Yeah. That would be, a great, yeah. that, that would be a, great, a great spot for this book. The cover's beautiful. It would be great to see it on, on display there. And, and wherever else, source booksellers, we should see if we can get it in source as well. We're, we're going to pass it around, and we hope other folks do the same. Thank you so much for joining us, Ruhi Marshall, author of A Generation Found, Precious Pearls of Wisdom, a wonderful collection of, of interviews. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time and this conversation. Of course. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to everyone soon. Peace. That's how we out here now. Thank you so much for listening. This is Eric from Riverwise Magazine. As we navigate these challenging times of collective mourning and protest and transformation, we're grateful to be part of a vital network of community-based media. Your continued support is vital. So we just want to take a minute and recognize the people keeping the Riverwise podcast afloat. Those people include the Riverwise Collective, the James and Grace Lee Boggs Center, Kari Frazier, and the Detroit is Different Network. We thank them for their technical and creative support. We thank Heidi Osgood, L'Oreal West, Valerie Jean for their help in getting the podcast out to the public. We want to thank Reverend Joan Ross for her continued encouragement and inspiration at WNUC. Bryce Detroit, thank you for letting us use your track out here now from the album Structured Water. You should all look for it. And we want to thank the Detroit Journalism Engagement Fund 
which is facilitated through the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan, who have supported Riverwise and this podcast and the writing workshop since 2018. Most importantly, we want to thank you, all the, the listeners, the readers, the people who are building community, building relationships out in the city of Detroit. We thank you for your support through the magazine, through the podcast, and we look forward to bringing more valuable content to you in 2020 and beyond. Peace.